It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lost Hope Radio. Great. Joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and the most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And today, you lucky, lucky soul, you have just tuned in to the ultimate takeaway show. We've lined up for you several of the most clever business folks, and on a silver platter, we are going to lay out the tales of their sharpest and most profitable business maneuvers. Now, most of them are current. A couple go a bit back, and one goes way back. Look for that one. That's really cute. And these individuals are those special business people who've climbed the ladder of insightful perspective. They've looked outside the box and courageously taken a pretty daring leap. And to make it more fun, we're going to first present you with the situation, the, the business climate they were in, and let you think how you might handle it. And then we'll tell you the solution of these farsighted ladies and gentlemen. So whether you, uh, well, your own lot in business or your own plot for your company is something that you're trying to winch off of your current plateau, just pull up your pen and notebook. Pull up your chair a little closer and join us at this Feast of Wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. Thus, my friend, without any further palaver, here is the first of our sharpest business moves by one very sharp mover and profit maker. It's 1971, and a new stock exchange has just hit the streets. The National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotation, NASDAQ, is trying to square off against the absolutely immense big board, the New York Stock Exchange, and a score of other very trusted exchanges throughout North America, each with more than a century track record to their credit and a lot of, lot of major companies. Now, two other parts of this climate. America's business had grown mightily powerful post-war, post-World War II, and a, more, a lot more than a little traditional. They had a good method. They were sticking with it, so they all went with the big boys. The second part of this climate, America's people, uh, and that is the great expanses of America's people, they had money in their pockets, and there were millions of middle-class people eyeing the stock market, saying, hey, I want a piece of that. So, my question to you is your young NASDAQ uh, going up against all the Goliaths, how would you handle this entrenched competition? Well, here's what Alfred R. Berkeley did. He, uh, he takes over as the third CEO of NASDAQ. And what he did was he, he kind of reversed the sales pitch and, and the clients he was going after. Traditionally, uh, stock exchanges would uh, hunt out and bring in the largest, most prestigious businesses, companies they could find uh, 
in their roster, and that that was seen as well. That's how to get investors. You have all this this big roster of great companies. Well, what Al did was he says, uh, rather than if you build it, they will come. He says, let's get them come, and therefore they'll do it. He went. Al went after huge numbers of investors. He went global, searched from, uh, got a lot of people abroad. He went to institutional investors, he went everywhere, and he got a great number of investors. And all of a sudden, the uh, all those companies start eyeing him and say, hey, I want a piece of that. So that's how he got them to come. That's how he reversed the sales, the sales and client pitch. And of course, this was just one of many innovations, including uh, having NASDAQ stock quotes streaming around Times Square on that marvelous uh, a stock ticker like icon uh that's that's not too shabby way either but just just remember that when you're going up against somebody who's already entrenched and has an entrenched business method maybe it's the other method that you could use that is going to set you into your own good niche just a thought now number two uh this is i love this one your head of marketing at kodak company and you spent years in this marvelous position compiling a list and, and a really good personal relationship with all the nation's top CEOs and top executives. You know what they want. And many of them owe you a good many favors. You also see uh, that Kodak is not going gracefully uh, into the shift from film to digital photography medium. And you kind of look at your watch and say, oh, boy, it's time to go. i got to get something new here. So you see uh, also that the digital world has produced massive amounts of information in all formats. And you see, you know these leaders, uh, the business leaders want to grow. And it's also, you see that, that out there with this new information is a surplus of eager consulting experts who are desperate to get in front of these CEOs and get their word out and be known. So, what new venture would you launch? Well, if you were uh, Jeffrey Hazlett, this is what you would do. Jeffrey became the ultimate information connector. He forms C-Suite Network, which connects those leaders, those major business leaders, who are you know, desperate for information to grow their firms. And he unites them or connects them with the thought leaders who make their living by sharing their uh, expert info. And he, he then provides services for both. Now, this means we are talking books and radio shows and uh, instructive videos that told rent television shows, speaking platforms, along with CEO, CFO, C-suite, forums. They're all gathered under his aegis. And simply put, Jeffrey gets the, the thought leader and the information-seeking business leader get the opportunity to connect. And C-suite network, by the way, gives both value and receives profit from each half. So, I, the, the lesson I, I see here that makes it so sweet is I look uh, at, you would normally think of, well, I'm just going to start a speaker's platform. I see all these speakers. He, you look at the whole pipeline, like Je Jeffrey Hazlett did, and you see the whole need of not just 
one client group, but the whole, the group of everybody along that line, that service. And that's how you're able to gather, get the best of both ends and both worlds. <laughs> Very sweet. Nicely done. Uh, and if you have just joined us, by the way, uh, you have fortuitously, or perhaps with marvelous intent, tuned in and you're listening to The Art of the CEO Radio Show, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time comes winging your way through the often exasperating realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And as an added avenue, you may also enjoy our shows on C-Suite Radio Station. We're now proud members of C-Suite Radio, where business grows more fruitfully through the benefit of shared expertise. So just visit our Art of the CEO episodes on c-suiteradio.com if you prefer. And now for the third of our cleverest business maneuvers. And it's a few years back, and the drug wars are in full swing. No, I do not mean the drug wars you're thinking of with corners and razors and things like this. The pharmaceutical chains are seeking to stake out their turf across the North American continent. Now, they have expanded the offerings in their stores so broadly that, well, you know, you can uh, pick up your blood pressure medication uh, and right along with it the donuts and candy Easter bunnies that got you there. You can get school supplies, you can get a lamp and all the tools to assemble it all in one store. But the real battles of this, the pharmaceutical chain wars are being fought on the price tag front. So here's my question to you. How would you campaign and wage this price war? Well, this one is daring and and you're going to love this. Saul, and he asked me not to use his last name on the air, and, and we respect that. So Saul had a uh, had some drugstores, and he watched the co- his com- competition stores in Manhattan try the old trick of selling loss leaders. That is, they take items, they buy items, and sell them well below their actual cost. Uh, sell a a $7 pack cost them a $7 pack of razors. You'd sell it for a dollar at a loss just to attract customers. So what Saul did was he says, well, I'm going to give these store owners their wish in spades. He rented buses and hired a whole lot of cash-hungry students and drove them all around to all the stores, and they would buy these razors for $1. And then they take them and they get them. They take them back on the bus. Now Saul very wisely kept uh, a track, good tabs on all the loss leader items that his competitors were selling. So they and these uh, his buyers would go in and buy out the entire stock uh, for uh, at, of the, of the loss leaders. Then they take them back to Saul's store, and Saul would take that one dollar uh, the 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 step, the pack of razors uh, that he bought for one dollar, and he'd sell it for ninety-nine cents. So the competitors are taking a six-dollar loss. Saul is taking a five-cent loss, and then in about two or three weeks, Saul raises the price to a dollar ten. So all of a sudden, he's uh, you barely notice it. So meanwhile, Saul is selling at a dollar ten. 
he's making 10 cents and his competitors are losing six at the same time. <laughs> Don't you love it? This is, this is, is it's cutthroat stuff, but I, but it is also very clever because what you're doing is you're picking out something that your competitors are not, uh, have, have set themselves in one avenue and you're just looking at a, uh, well, you found another source of supply. Think of it that way. You you have said, where is the cheapest source of supply? The fact that it happens to be in my competitor's shop, frankly, Scarlett, that's just an added benefit. <laughs> At any rate, when you're when you're searching around, again, search everything your competitor is doing, and uh, you may just find an advantage in there. All right, now <laughs> number four, and this is a simple one. This is uh, I've entitled this. What's in a name? And not everything is big and complex. Sometimes it's just a little, a little kindness in the thought. It's the small town of Cranberry, New Jersey, founded in 1690. It's quiet, it's friendly, and immensely proud of its history. Beverly and Craig Gilbert, pillars of the community, known by all, are and loved by all, are at last selling the house they have had on Main Street since before the American Revolution, way back. It's right by the post office, by the way. Nice open space. Anyway, they're selling it to the totally unknown Andesine family, Rob and Christine, and these newcomers into town uh, they're nice people, but no one knows them. And Christine has always wanted to start a small ice cream store. She looks out the back window of this house, opens onto to the, the square by the post office, and she says, oh, I could start an ice cream shop there. So my question to you, my friend, is, you're Christine, what would you name your little entrepreneurial shop? Well, if you were Christine, you she went to... Beverly and Craig Gilbert and said, would you mind if I called our shop Gil and Bert's Ice Cream? Gil and Bert's from the Gilberts. And they they were flattered. They said yes. And so she opens up her new shop, which is a little discomforting perhaps, but might have been. But she's showing respect to the tradition. And she is remembering all that is good about this family with something that's very sweet. <laughs> and I think that this is something just to think about. When you're moving in, when you're opening up a business and you're looking at your client, look at all of the client. Think of all the things that they would like to have uh, connected with you. That's what a brand, that's what the brand does. It shows you, it shows something about you and that you have considered the full range of the client. Uh, That's a cute one and I've always loved it. And so now, my friend, we still have a lot, uh, many more cl- uh, clever business moves, uh, including the historic one that you, you don't want to miss. But all this talk of ice cream has, quite frankly, put me in mind of how you and I need a brief sorbet from today's Feast of Wisdom. So allow me to offer you a few utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, Allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask 
will this be the day that you look at your last business brainstorm and examine what personal environment generated it? Uh, Or will you continue to just kind of hope against hope that your inventive mind will somehow strike magically unstimulated? (laughs) The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And uh, it's it's a wise idea. uh, Second utensil. I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter, so I am reaching for the 101 Best Business Quips book, and I'm thumbing madly through here. Okay, oh, oh, uh, here's 39. Um, This is our 101 Best Business Quips book. In in honor, this is in honor of our show. Our our quip this time uh, comes courtesy from Thomas Edison. That is, it was, it's actually something he said. It is, no, don't put the actors' names on the screen. If the people get to know who the actors are, the actors will only want more money. (laughs) And as an afterthought, with those words, Thomas Edison, film's true founder, tossed away all that overwhelming global publicity of the movie star system that was to be the making and the building and the making of all Hollywood. Goes to show that even the brightest of us, if we're too cheap, well, we can fall prey to colossal errors. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, we remember we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of 102 or the 101 best business quips, and your cheery wit will indeed lift your own spirits and those of your fellow chain gangers at work. <laughs> and as a third utensil, we sometimes boom to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the individual uh, who came up with these words, life's a lot like mountaineering, never look down. <laughs> and this pithy and wise statement was spoken by none other than the first mountaineer to ever set foot on the world's tallest peak, Mount Everest. That was Sir Edmund Hillary marvelous man who later went on to found so many schools and did do so much for the Sherpa people. Congratulations to all you winners and stick with us because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way, comes yet another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn your you a mind and soul-stirring gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. <laughs> and before we return to those, uh, well, the more of those sharp business moves from go, from the gold meet, rush to the science labs, allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that company is Prometheus Publishing. And this week's, the folks at Prometheus, instead of telling you about one, uh, one of their enlightening volumes, they would like to proudly announce their Prometheus Awards. Now, as you all remember from your Greek mythology, Prometheus was the ancient Greek titan who defied the gods and brought to humankind the gift of fire. And from that light onward, my friend, there was no turning back. Now, the Prometheus Awards today recognize those exceptional individuals among us who by their personal example and their inventive enterprises enrich the human community and shed some light into the world. And right now, Prometheus Publishing is conducting its call for nominations. So if you know someone, if you know an individual, an idealist who is 
putting her or his creative sweat and energy into some project that's helping, giving, enriching some corner of our human community, we invite you to share their race of hope and nominate them for a Prometheus Award. And uh, after all, heaven knows, as the folks at Prometheus say, we do need some new role models in both the for-profit and non-profit sectors of our business community. Uh, it can be anywhere in the terrestrial orb, so wherever you are listening, think about uh, nominating someone, and the way to do that is very simple. You go to bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com website. You click on the tab that says Business is Best, fill out a simple form, just a couple of sentences about it. The ambassador team from Prometheus Publishing will then contact them and take it from there. So, it's it's a wise idea and a helpful one. And now, with our utensils in hand, let us get right back to those cogent cogitators of business who have seized uh, the profits from their out with their out of the box sharpest moves. All right, now the the next one, number five. This is that historic mover I told you to watch for. It's 1851, and an ambitious Russian immigrant. Heinrich Schleiman has just got getting off the boat at San Francisco Bay, hoping to strike it rich in the gold fields. Right. He has joined the 49ers, all those who rushed out there to get gold. And so he lands and he looks out and he sees a tenement city filled with thousands and thousands of others who are all desperate to hit that mother load in the great California gold rush. So, so many people, such a comparatively slim chance of going for the gold. What would you do? Well, here's what young Heinrich did. Where most of us see an army of competition, he saw an opportunity. He looks at his pick, he looks at his shovel, he puts them down, and he Set, puts a price tag by them. He starts selling all his gear. And then he went back to the boat, talked to the captain, and he sent an order for more. And every he looked all of the uh, prospectors coming to the California Gulf Coast, they all needed a grub steak. They needed gear. They needed clothes. They needed food prepacked. And they would all come to Heinrich, uh, who gr- gratefully, and they paid him in, you guessed it, my friend, gold dust. And so Heinrich Schleiman, for those of you uh, who know, he made millions, and he took part of that fortune. And with the Iliad in one hand, Homer's Iliad in one hand, uh, went to what is now Turkey and uh, the area of Shinakli. He he discovered Troy, the ancient city of Troy, the site of the Trojan War, and so famed by the poet Homer. And he, he then, in digging and in, in his excavations with his team, he discovered, you guessed it, a lot more gold, which he put around his wife's shoulders. And every wife should have a Heinrich Lehmann. <laughs> and so, and you too, my friend, should have one in your own business history. Think of where the, not what you have now what you're seeking to make, maybe it's time for you to, to feed uh, the greatest possible client base. Why not? Uh, 
work for the for the Schleimans. So, uh, just something to think about as we move along. Um, oh yes, this uh, we have another one coming up, and this one is uh, it's actually a couple of individuals involved in this one because there's a couple of leaders, and it have it's not very long ago. Ingram, who uh, the folks at Ingram. Uh, which is one of the top two book distributors, along with all the mainline publishers, whose names you know, uh, they all saw it coming about eight years ago. And they were soon really overwhelmed. For two centuries, American book publishers had been lucratively accepting authors' manuscripts, turning them into books, printing them, selling them over myriad counters, and paying the authors a 10% royalty. Then came the self-publishing industry. Uh, with digital enhancements, authors could now, for 10% uh, expenses, they could now print and sell their own books online and off and walk away with a 90% royalty. By 2016, 64% of all books published in the U.S. were self-published. So my question is, you're a mainline publisher. What can you do to recapture that market share and that author pool? Well, the answer came in two simple words. Publisher services. Publishers had, sitting around in their offices, twiddling their thumbs, they had editors, they had proofreaders, they had graphic artists, they had copyright specialists, they had had distributors with change of distribution. All those things that the average author doesn't have, but he quickly is finding out that he's really got to, got to have them when he goes to self-publish. Uh, so they, you go to book fairs now and all the mainstream authors, yes, they have books, and they have this whole huge department of publishing services to recapture the the, uh, the author pool and really fill the needs. It's uh, a win-win, really. The mainstream publishers got the talent and the channels and they're becoming, the authors uh, are hiring them as contractors. And in the meantime, authors get a fine-looking book, uh, and the mainstream is still, uh, the mainstream publishers are still contributing to America's literacy and American knowledge. It's another win-win, but it just shows that you have to take a tour of your own warehouse, my friend. See what you've got lying around that you may not be using. Uh, at this point, but it may be that just potential silver uh, silver mine that uh, somebody out there really, really wants and needs. And something to put in your head and tuck away. All right. We have, actually, we have like seven more, but we can only, have, we only have time for, for um, well, we got we have time for one more. And But, but this, this is a cutie. This is great. This one. Uh, you are You've gotten your first job as a grammar school science teacher. You're a young guy. Uh, All grades, by the way. You don't even have a classroom. (laughs) It's a poor school system. And all you have is an old AV cart. Remember those audiovisual carts? Some of you do. uh, uh, And you don't need to reveal your age. But the, the little rolling cart. And he would then roll his cart with his science um 
experiment into each class and try to ram down some scientific knowledge into children who, quite frankly, Scarlett, can't imagine anything more boring than the periodic table at test tubes. So you've got a choice of, this is your situation, you've got a choice of quitting or you can do what Steve Spangler did. You you can make a move that is going to blossom into a multi-million dollar career with global speaking engagements, millions of online followers, uh, TV show appearances everywhere, and several toy companies with lines of toys. Uh, which, which choice would you take? Are you kidding me? Steve Spangler, a magician's son, did this. He approached each classroom as a showman. He became the school's most sought-after teacher with a line of science tricks that were very clever. Instead of pounding instruction at them, Steve gave them not advice. He gave them an experience. He taught them how to make uh, the eyes explode out of Halloween jack-o'-lanterns, how to make your hair stand on end, how to keep a light lit using the electricity of you and your own classmates, sending a, sending a little electricity through their bodies. It was fabulous. The kids absolutely loved it. And here's the second key. He, had, he enticed the students into this knowledge. He had them coming eagerly to ask the science behind it. It's an experience that begs learning. And what did, now to be fair, he became a very popular teacher, but he also was the ultimate entrepreneur. He began giving speaking gigs. He then, and he took this online. He developed little uh, science devices that sold uh, millions by major toy companies. He went with the top toy firms. He is one of the most sought-after speakers on the planet. And he does all of this because his belief is give them an experience. From that, they'll go after the knowledge. So, yes, keep uh, you would have to be quite the entrepreneur to match Steve's idea, uh, ideas and, and his business. But think about the experience when you approach people. And so, I just, I hope you've picked up a few things today. Uh, I, many of these, as these people have come to me and given me their ideas, I, I find it utterly fascinating. It, it sets my own mind, and I hope for you it does set, set something uh, burbling in your own head and say, you know, I could find something much more clever. When I take that marvelous tour through my marvelous and find all those marvelous assets that I indeed have. So, as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's quotation. That was, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, today's business quotation. Who was it who said, since we think we have solved the mysteries of creation, perhaps we should patent the universe and charge everyone royalties for their existence. <laughs> that is a hint. Uh, this author, the, the author of this quote, this British uh, world-renowned theoretical physicist with an IQ of 160 held an unequal knowledge of our universe, and while he charged no royalties, he has been justifiably ranked with Albert Einstein and Isaac Newton. 
And remember, if you know the author of that quote, just send that author's name down as you believe him or to be and email it right off to info at bardsbooks.com to win an absolutely uh, career-igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune into The Art of the CEO show next week as Mr. Stephen Ward, manager, uh, well, he's a managing director of Insight Risk Management, but he's going to tell how his firm supplies the tough global security for a 63-nation worldwide relay race, the largest ever on our planet, and it's, it's one heck of a job and one heck of a race. You don't want to miss this. As a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, with today's social media, we may now buy likes with dollars. Unfortunately, the reverse does not seem to prove true. (laughs) And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO uh, as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.